0: You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balcom, and this is the Save the Marriage podcast. This is the podcast I designed to help you save and restore your marriage, no matter how deeply in trouble you are. And we work by answering your questions, also by me giving you uh, different directions and different advice, different tactics to use in order to restore your marriage. And one of the things that many people miss is The way you restore marriage is the same thing that fuels a good marriage, and that is rebuilding that connection together, making sure you have a solid connection. It's also about how you look at yourself, how you work to continue your growing and to work on building a we. Sometimes I field your questions. Sometimes I give you uh, some of my thoughts. And today I'm fielding one of your questions, a listener question. Uh, And the reason I wanted to do that is because sometimes this really gets us into some deep areas that you wanna be aware of. And right now, uh, today, we're gonna talk about Uh, the possibility of ROCD. I'll tell you what that is and what that means. And also what that means in terms of, you know, when people are questioning what's going on in their relationship, people are questioning whether this is the right one and what to do about that. Uh, Now, the reason I'm bringing this one in is because these questions are very normal questions. It's just the degree of these questions. So um, let's, let's jump in. This is a question from P. Uh, P says, about a year or two ago, I started having anxiety that, anxiety that maybe because we didn't fall in love in the traditional sense, maybe we can't be as happy or fulfilled as other people. I would see other happy couples and feel triggered It's always interesting when we compare ourselves, isn't it? This is Lee speaking, right, off the letter. It's always interesting when we kind of compare ourselves to other people. And this is true throughout life. I think this is one of our social media issues where, you know, we we start seeing people kind of at at their, their high moments. If you're on social media, people don't post their tough times, their down times, their disconnected times, their frustrating times, their arguments. They post their, you know, their vacations and their fun times and the romantic days. And the same thing is true when you're out walking around. You may have just had an argument with your spouse and you're aware of that. But other people around you may not be showing the fact that they are also having struggles, too. So let me get back and back to this letter. You say, memories of our early years became more and more upsetting to me. It was like I was reliving the anxiety. Last year, I was in a full-fledged depression, had to go on antidepressants. It was awful. I've been better for a couple of months now, but I feel the thoughts creeping in again. I do feel that we have a good marriage. Let me just read that again. I do feel that we have a good marriage. My husband has flat out told me he will never let me go. I've been honest with him about my feelings and he's compassionate and as understanding as as he can be, it's pretty hurtful, but he knows I'm suffering. We committed for life and that is what we're going to do. But why am I suffering so much? I simply cannot figure it out. I've been to so many doctors, I can't count. I just need relief so I can get back to enjoying our life. Please help if you can. Have you ever worked with couples that deal with ROCD? Okay, so you may be wondering ROCD, but if you think about those, just those last three letters, we say this all the time, OCD. Now, many times people use that um, kind of as a light term, you know, oh, I have OCD. They don't really understand what that truly means if somebody is truly suffering from OCD. OCD is obsessive compulsive disorder. It's not when somebody has some compulsive actions and, you know, they they kind of need to do their habits or they feel out of sorts. That's most of us. It's not when we have thoughts that recur. That's most of us. It's when it becomes debilitating. So people who will leave their house and have to go back to check and see if they lock the doors or people who um, maybe retrace their steps to see if they hurt somebody along the way or they forgot something or so many different ways that comes to be. So at its heart, obsessive compulsive disorder means that people do compulsive actions in order to deal with the obsessive thoughts or they have obsessive thoughts that drive them towards compulsive actions so it's a combination obsessive thinking compulsive action to the point that it is limiting to your life it's getting in your way Now, that is the traditional kind of understanding of OCD, and it goes uh, way back in our understanding of watching people who really suffer. You know, I had a, a classmate when I was in school who had gotten into a religious compulsion where she had to pray a certain way, and if she didn't do it, she had to do it again, and the certain way was only in her mind. I mean, it wasn't as if somebody was saying you're doing it wrong. And she would get so caught up in doing that that she ended up not being able to take action. She just would have to revert back to that. Had a client who had a very hard time even making appointments because she would have to go back to make sure that the doors were locked and that the oven wasn't turned on and all these different pieces of the puzzle in order for her to make her way through. And then she would end up with this compulsion that maybe she had hit somebody with her car and she didn't remember that and so she would have to retrace her steps and you could see how that would be debilitating to her life and so she would have to leave way early to make our appointment many times still running late that's kind of the Run of the mill, and I hate to say run of the mill, but that's the regular presentation of, of obsessive compulsive disorder. It can be very overwhelming. A lot of people will just say, Oh, that's so OCD of me when they're sticklers about something, when they are very specific about something, they'll just say, Oh, that's my OCD, but they don't really mean it in a, in a clinical sense, right? It's kind of in the, the same way someone will say, Oh, I'm ADD when really they just weren't paying attention, right? When they, they can't kind of make light of something else. Uh, and claim it as something that you know is much more severe in the people who actually suffer from it. So, our OCD—you may have guessed by now—is relationship obsessive compulsive disorder. Now, we have this big book that therapists use and insurance companies use to diagnose things. There's a listing of the different. Um, uh, uh, different things that people do or think or, or feel that create the, the different uh, characteristics of a disorder. Uh, and so somebody might have a certain number of symptoms and the therapist will go try to place all of those symptoms into a disorder in order to have a number for insurance purposes for the most part. And it really is a matter of inclusion and exclusion of these different um, uh, symptoms to find where it best describes somebody. And it's kind of a game. I mean, I don't mean that in a fun kind of way, but we're trying to figure this out because it also in many ways determines treatment for people. And so uh, that's why we come up with a diagnosis, to understand what it is and understand if there's something that can be done for it. For instance, is it medication or is it something behavioral that needs to happen, especially around mental health issues? So relationship OCD is not actually its own title. In fact, some would debate whether it's just kind of the symptoms leaking out from an OCD diagnosis. Because if... Somebody is diagnosed with something when they're coming in with this ROCD. They're actually diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder, and it's treated the same way. So... Let's talk a little bit about what this ROCD is. It's when people have obsessive thoughts that perhaps they're not with the right person, perhaps their relationship isn't real, or that the love there is not real love, or that maybe there, this isn't real happiness, that there is an obsessive quality to the thinking about the relationship, And sometimes it can get so uh, caught up that the person is debilitated. Over the years, I've seen people that I think very well match that description because they are convinced that a spouse is cheating on them. They have obsessive thoughts about the cheating and what's going on, even though there is no proof of it. In fact, even though their spouse is not doing that, they have decided that. Now, there are times when these same obsessive thoughts actually fit. For instance, maybe somebody really has some concerns about their relationship. Maybe they they feel like there's abuse in it or there is a lack of respect in it or that there are other problems in it. And so they keep asking the question, is this the right relationship? Right? Is this a good, healthy relationship? And that's the problem. Sometimes our obsessive thoughts are about legitimate issues. For instance, maybe there's a piece of that person who is suspecting a cheating spouse that's picking up on some signs and maybe they haven't found the evidence yet, but it could be true, right? And that's the problem. Many of these thoughts could be true. What makes them obsessive is when you've kind of worked through them and realized that there's not truth to them, that there's not legitimacy to them, and yet they keep happening. That's more of the clue of this. So in this case, uh, P is talking about the fact that maybe they didn't really fall in love. In fact, in another part I didn't read, she said, When I first met my husband and dated slash engagement, I never felt in love slash infatuation. Now, let's be clear here. We're in this own area of thoughts, right? And we get into asking the question, what are, what's normal of people falling in love? What's normal for the feelings and comparing that? And many times the only place we can compare that is what the media shows to us. So we're comparing it to TV shows, to books, uh, to movies. And in some ways, it's very much like somebody who's only watched porn thinking that's a good representation for sex. And uh, so part of what happens is we have this skewed perception of how we're supposed to feel and what's supposed to happen when we're, we found the right person, the person for us. Just as a side note, you may be interested to know that that people who truly believe that there is the one person for them actually have a higher level of divorce than the general population because then they're convinced when things aren't going the way they think they should with the person that maybe they didn't find the person, they just found a person. And so there's an edge of this that even filters into the thinking that we have in this letter. Is this the right person for me? And yet, through the letter, it's talking about um, my feelings for him are very strong. We are best friends. We communicate well. We have little conflict and enjoy being with each other. Notice that. I mean, many people would be envious of that, but there's this obsessive thought of maybe something's wrong. And many times, this is a comparison piece. In fact, let me also point out that in this letter, this person is talking about seeing happy people, other happy or fulfilled people, happy couples, and that feels triggering, right? I pointed this out while I was going through, but our problem in today's culture is it's a comparison culture. That's why we have so many problems around us. That's why people are struggling with uh, eating disorders because they compare themselves to what they see in Instagram and in and, and magazines. It used to be just magazines and now Instagram. And the problem is Instagram is so filtered, so faked that you're comparing yourself to a fake image. We're all doing that. Um, and more and more people are talking about their anxiety and their suffering from a comparison perspective. I'm not doing the fun things that pe- these people are doing, even though many times they're faking it or they're building it up to what was beyond what it was or how that person is looking. And even though it's faked and filtered and staged, and so we're, we're comparing ourselves in ways that aren't even to reality, much less in in the general population. If I'm walking down the street and I see several couples who are out taking a walk and they're holding hands, I could go, wow, look at them. They're so happy. I'm not holding hands with anyone, so I must be unhappy. Missing the fact that there are lots of other couples who aren't out walking. And by the way, the ones that are may just in that moment be holding hands and the rest of their life be uncomfortable and unhappy. Right. And so when we compare our outer, our inner selves to other people's outer lives, it's always a problem. Our inner feelings versus someone's outer day. So our real life compared to their Facebook, Instagram moment is always going to be a problem. And we've got to decide if we're going to let that trigger us or accept the fact that we're when we're playing comparison, we're always going to be in trouble. Many couples come to my office on the edge of uh, divorce and they start by saying, everybody thought we were the ideal couple. They always saw us happy together and thought we were perfect together. I guess we weren't. All of that enough for me to know that it's very dangerous when we play that comparison game. So let me add in another piece. What does it mean to trad- traditionally fall in love? What, what is that supposed to look like? Because when we look around the world, there are lots of places that have never used that traditional falling in love as being the signal to get married. In fact, that's a fairly recent Eurocentric, American-centric kind of perspective. Many places still do arranged marriages and guess what? Their level of happiness, their level of satisfaction are often higher than places where it's the romantic fall in love type of relationships. But just to look at that and say there is some traditional way that we're supposed to fall in love is responding to some norm that we may not even be aware of where it's coming from whether it's from the stories from our parents or whether it's from watching movies or reading books or listening to songs, it's coming from somewhere. And so let's just say there is no traditional way of falling in love, nor is there any way of us measuring our internal feelings and comparing it to somebody else's internal feelings. Is somebody else happier than I am? I don't know. I don't really care. Is somebody feeling deeper in love than me? I don't know. I'm more worried about how my, my spouse and I feel, not what somebody else is experiencing. So whenever we get into this comparison, we can fall into the obsessive trap. Or we can say, this is about our love. This is about our commitment. This is about how we feel, not in comparison to other people, but how we feel. So this letter is listing all of the great uh, characteristics of your relationship. In fact, one of the reasons that I was not sure I was going to include this letter is because many people are going, man, I wish I felt that. I wish I felt like I was with my best friend. I wish I felt like we were happy and I wish that we uh, you know, felt like we were best friends and that my spouse is saying I'll be there forever. But I wanted to get behind that and say it is entirely normal for people to ask the question, is this the right relationship? Is this the right person? Is this real love, real happiness? Those are basic questions that are just going to emerge from our feel for a little brain that's looking for something to hang on to, some reassurance to hang on to. Here's the problem, though. (laughs) Reassurance doesn't last. And that's what I I want to point to is what this person is wanting is some reassurance that it's the right person, that they found the right person. One of my core beliefs when I'm working with somebody who is in a dating relationship is, have you found the right person? That is fundamental to me and when they're dating are you finding the right people around you are you finding the right place to be are you finding the right person because you want to make sure it's the right person but and this is a big big but once you say I do it's not about finding the right person it's making the relationship right that's the task what do I do to work on making sure this relationship is right Because I just want to make the note that when we make the commitment, what we're saying is it doesn't matter how I feel tomorrow, we're going to work through that. It doesn't matter what kind of day we have, whether you're sick or I'm sick or you're well or I'm well or you're rich or I'm rich or we're rich or, you know, it's a bad day, it's an up day, it's a good day, it's a bad day. It doesn't matter what those days are like. I am committed to being here. That's, That's what a wedding ceremony does. The wedding vows are about saying, I'm in it for life. We will work through this. Having that mentality that we are in this for life changes how we go about things. It can change how you go about an argument or a discussion or planning or thinking through things because you say, you know what? I'm basing it on this commitment I made. I don't have to be asking the question anymore. Now, there is a side note to that. If a relationship is um, troubled by, you know, somebody's being abusive, whether it's emotional or physical abuse, you don't have to say, I'm going to, I'm going to suck this up for life. I have to be stuck with this person who was abusive to me for life. I don't think that that's what that commitment is about. But beyond that, in normal day-to-day life, regular stuff we figure out a make it to work a way to make it work because we make a commitment. That's what that commitment is for. For me, the definition of a commitment is doing what you promised to do, even though you no longer feel like you did when you made that commitment. Right? When I make this big commitment, you, when you have a kid, you make a, 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 a commitment to that child that you're going to help them grow up to be all they can be. And there are going to be days when you go, my gosh, what did I sign up for? Why why did I do that? What do you do? You keep parenting. I mean, that's the nature of that relationship. You choose to keep parenting. And the same in a marriage. Some days you go, man, this is a struggle. Maybe it'd be easier not to be here. But I made a commitment. I live into that. That's my North Star. And when you use that as your commitment point, that changes how you go about everything. You don't have to go, Did we fall in love the right way? You don't have to go, did we do the whatever, the correct, traditional, right, whatever way of getting here. What you do is you say, we are here. Now where are we going? How are we going to make this better? You don't have to be working through all those questions. So reassurance is not going to work of saying, oh, you found the right person. You know, you can, that's like more of the comparison stuff. Yes, that was the right person. And a little while later you go, ah, but was it? Did I really fall in love? Right? So the reassurance isn't going to last. Asking people to reassure you. And you can do that subtly or directly. But either way, it's only going to last for so long until you go, that's not even my question anymore. I'm not even going to have that question anymore. And when I do, I'm going to dismiss it. Now, if this is true OCD, there are some pretty good treatment methods for OCD. Exposure therapy is a great technique. There's some medications that can help that if it's truly OCD. And if it's truly OCD, then what's really happened is your brain has grasped onto the relationship portion to be obsessive about instead of some other area. It doesn't mean that there are not other areas where there's anxiety. It just means that you're you're fixated at this moment on the relationship. If it's anything other than that, Instead of continuing to have that debate with yourself, you say, you know what, I'm not going there. I'm not revisiting the decisions I've made. I'm making a decision to move forward. We're working through this. We're living into our commitment together. Now, the reason I brought that up is because it is normal for people to wonder about their relationship. Is this the right person, the right relationship, that do the right thing? And I think it's easier to pack that away and say, unless it's abusive or unless you know it has some other real pieces to this puzzle where it is just unsafe to be able to say, no, I made a commitment. Now we are going to make this better. and if necessary, I'll start the process of making this better. There's lots to unload here. Hopefully that was uh, the answer that P uh, needed, maybe not what you were looking for, but that you needed. And remember, we rely on commitment. We lean into that, we make a decision, and we keep moving forward. If you're interested in help with your relationship of how to make things better, of how to move them forward, this is true for anyone. Check it out. Check out my Save the Marriage system at savethemarriage.com slash system. That's savethemarriage.com slash system. And if you're interested in checking out my books, go to com slash books. That's savethemarriage.com slash books. This is Lee Balkum. wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.